welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare for exit so you can maximize value and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast brought to you by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsword and today I'm talking to Jeff Cohen. Jeff's an author, coach, speaker, consultant, you name it, he helps businesses grow and become more valuable. And the reason I'm talking to Jeff today is that he's just about to launch his new book, and I thought I'd just grab a bit of his time and we can talk about it because it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Welcome, Jeff. Why don't you uh, jump straight in and give us a bit of background and um, I'm sure uh, you're keen to start talking about the book and uh, we can play with all the content around that. Well, that'll be fun. Hey, thanks, Daryl, so much for having me. You know, it's interesting that I would be on a show called Exit Insights. Yeah because I'm talking about growing a business. And in our pre-conversation, I got very clear that if somebody wants to have an opportunity to exit, there are certain things that are really, really important to a buyer. And some of those things are what my book is all about. And even though I have that kind of in the background as I write the book, I'm often working with clients and companies to have them grow. And the number one problem that I hear about in those companies, bar none, hands down, is if they, let's assume for a minute that they have sales, like they're actually selling, there is revenue, right? And there's some level of profit or loss that they're experiencing and they have employees. The number one issue at that point is accountability. Now, it doesn't always come out like, that's the issue. It often comes out where I hear CEOs tell me, I spend hours on the phone every week because my people are giving me excuses about why they're not doing stuff. But the reality is, is that's nothing more than not having a system and a structure to having people be accountable. And the biggest issue with the word accountability that exists in the world is the way people view it. Some people like me, I've gone through years of training and development so I could get friendly with the word accountability and yet I still hate it. But most people, their relationship to the word accountability starts at six o'clock on the evening news when they hear about someone going to jail and being accountable for a crime or a politician that is in trouble, being accountable for whatever they're in trouble for. And it's all happening to someone else. So now when the CEO says, I want you to be accountable for something, it's something that gets resisted. So, you know, the the topic of the book, while it's about accountability, my superpower and the reason I've written this book is to help people get that it's possible to have accountability work in an environment that pushes it away. It's, it's interesting what you say there, because accountability is it's like one of those buzzwords in, in management theory and, and, and building and growing businesses today. And we're all talking about, you know, you know, we need to be accountable and get accountability. But what you're saying is the word itself has got a PR problem. And, uh, and we, need to, we need to go, well, 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 accountability is a good thing because, you know, there, there are some other authors out there who, who you know, we, and I think we touched on this earlier as well. They talk about accountability 
and they touch on it and they frame it up and go, it's a good thing, but they don't talk about uh, in a lot of depth about how to achieve it. And, and it's one of the things we play with as well, because, you know, we talk about team-based accountability and, and uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, with, with coaching and consulting, I've worked over the years, I've been really fortunate enough to, to work with a, a couple of ex-professional sports people, rugby players, football players, cricket players, and cyclists are, are the ones I, I can think of. And... And all of the, 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 the four people I'm thinking of in particular are all business owners who have been extremely successful in business. And the thing that they've got in common, I think, is what, you know, to get to a high level in, in sport, all you've got to do, well, not all you've got to do, but one of the things you have to do is, is just keep getting, get, get back up every time you get knocked down. And, you know, and, and, and what is it about professional sports people, especially team-based sports? They train so much together that they know that their teammates are going to be there playing their position, doing their role as it should be. And they know in the, in crisis times, they can count on them to be there just because they've been there so many times previous in, in practice and they know what's required. And that's the energy, the spirit that you're talking about, isn't it? It's about being there, practicing it and knowing that just knowing I can depend on you because we've, we've, we've practiced it, rehearsed it. And, and I'm a person of my word. Um, and yeah, it's not about getting busy because I think there's a lot of people out there who want to be accountable, but they're just, look, I meant to do that for you, Jeff. I know last Friday I said I'd do that for you. And I, I honestly, I meant to, and I thought I could get it done by today. But, you know, my day job just got in the way. Well, you know, it's funny you should go there because really what happens is, um, and I just want to touch on something you started this particular conversation with, um, the notion of, of accountability leads to people being held to account, right? Yeah. Like they don't just get told you're accountable for, it's what's happening is they're being held to account for something. And listen, that is synonymous with being held at gunpoint. People don't want that. They just don't wanna be held at gunpoint. They want to be responsible. If you look up the word accountability in the dictionary, it says something to the effect of being held responsible for something, right? And listen, people want to be responsible. They know they'll make more money when they are. They know they'll have more status and you know uh, attention when they are. The, the issue is not that they don't want to be accountable. It's that they don't want the consequence of it because accountability is more about a consequence than an opportunity. So I spent the last 20 years coming up with this book and it started in the agile software development world. I had a software company. We helped fortune 500 global 2000 companies we had about a hundred of them. And what we did was we took the basis of my partner at the time, his book on agile software development, and we started implementing that for these big companies. And what we found was that being iterative and being able to bob and weave as needed made a big, big difference. So in the last eight years, I told you, you know, in the past when we talked, I did a two-year program called the Team Management Leadership Program. And in that program, I learned to get confident with accountability and understand what it really was and what it was like to be able to say, sure, I'll take that on and actually follow through with it. 
But I also learned accountability is a team sport. It's not just me being accountable. It's you, Daryl, managing my accountability. And that looks a lot different than most people think. Because managing an accountability means that you're actually on top of what you've asked someone to be accountable for. And many times what happens is a scenario will show up where I say, hey, Daryl, can you take something on? And you say, yes, I can. Now you're accountable for it. You've just accepted it, right? Um, but there's no due date set or the due date is squishy or and, and there's no follow-up set. So follow-up is squishy. So because all of that is not firm, what happens is Friday at 4 p.m., your boss calls you and says, hey, Daryl, it's been three weeks. Where is it? Now, you might be with a client. You might be in the middle of another thought process. You might be doing lots of other things. But suddenly at that moment, it's important to your boss. And so suddenly it's got to be important to you. And you're not expecting the call, not ready for the call. Maybe it's done and you just haven't communicated. More than likely, it's at some stage of not done or not started. Mm -hmm. And you've been triggered. And I talk a lot about this in the book. In fact, my first chapter called Grand Theft Auto is the way I got my number one trigger that I have carried with me my entire life with every personal relationship, every job. And when you hit that button, and I promise it's not that hard, but when you hit that button, I will waste 20 to 30 minutes of your time. And I will tell you all of the reasons why it's not done. I'm not on it. What got in the way? And if you have five or six direct reports, I guarantee you're doing that probably at least once a week. And you're wasting two to three hours a week of your time. The time from them that you're wasting is actually a multiple of that. Because now they leave the conversation and they've got something going on in their head. They can't let go of it because they've disappointed you and they're in concern about it yeah. and they have a job to do. So it affects their performance. And listen, this is not American hockey. We don't have a penalty zone. Like when you take your employees out like that, you reduce the value of your company. And that's why Daryl and I are talking today. So Jeff, you've alluded to a couple of things for us and you've said, you know, it starts off as, you know, if we're being held to account, it feels like there's a gun being held to our head. And I don't know about you and, you know, but if I've got a gun to my head, I'm going to panic um, <laughs> and probably going to need to change my underwear. <clears throat> so that's not a good feeling and I'm not going to be productive and I'm not going to be thinking clearly when I'm in that state. And I'm sure the person holding the gun to my head, you know, isn't intentionally trying to make me you know, feel that way. And so you've gone there are a couple of things we can help, I think, is where you're going. Yeah. One of the first things is, is you alluded to that, hey, look, when I ask you to do something, I need to say, here's when I want it by. Can you do it by then? I'm asking you to do it. Yes, I can do it. Now, and you've said, is there a due date? And then, and then you alluded to, hey, look, 
you know, what what is done look like? You know, not your words, but it's effectively what you're saying. What's what's the measure of success? If I'm asking you to do this, here's what it will look like. Um, and then you said something about, hey, look, we need to keep keep the information channels open along the way. You know, keep me updated, keep me, let it know how it's going, ask for help, what have you. Are these the sort of things you're talking about for, for you know, to get a culture of accountability so that we end up with a, uh, a system or a business where people end up with a reputation where they're known for doing what they say they're going to do? Yeah, so that's really great. Um, so the answer to your question is yes and no. Okay, good. First off, I um, hate the concept of a culture of accountability. Again, back to the PR problem, the word accountable has. Okay. <laughs> so it sounds really good. Um, but then you get companies on the opposite end of the spectrum that go to this uh, notion of having a culture of trust. And there is no notion necessarily of accountability. They're like two opposite ends of the spectrum. So, you know, I spent the last eight years, I worked with about 300 companies, CEOs, business executives, entrepreneurs, business owners anybody that would have a stake in selling a company, right? And it started out in the team management leadership program where I noticed when I really looked at myself and I'd been through at that point, I started, I think three or four companies. Um, one of them I grew to 50 people and you know eight figures in under two years, um, high growth. I thought people loved working for me. Um, the operative word there is thought. I, I took a look at myself and what I had done and accomplished, and I realized we just had a great idea and executed, like we had really great people executing, and we fell down all over the place. Whenever we fall, I got mad. I didn't treat people well. There were a lot of things that you would take out of any management handbook and say, Jeff, did you do that? And the answer would be no. And then they would go to the examples of why you'd want to use their program. And I'd say, oh, yeah, I've done all of those things. So I realized I was actually a lousy boss. Like I, I can own it today. You know, people wanted to work for me, I think, because we had a great vision. Uh, and we, we executed well in some ways and not well in others. And I got mad. I did things that I regret today. Um, and I made sure in the book to say, I'm sorry to all of those people. Cause I truly like learned in this two-year program. It's really about elevating people. I mean, the name of my book, the subtitle is lift, shift and empower you and your team. And it's not a culture of accountability because accountability requires that you have structures that hold people accountable. And Getting to that point really takes something because most companies that are worth anything today are busy building their business and they're not as worried about the mistakes they make. They want to make them so they can make new ones tomorrow. No problem with that. Makes a lot of sense. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's iterative. That's agile business management, right? But the notion of accountability, shifting that is what makes the difference because instead of meeting two people, to manage being accountable, when someone can stand up and say, hey, Daryl, you can count on me to be at your interview on time and to be engaging 
and tell every everybody everything. What you can't count, count on me for is you can't count on me to actually go out, call 100 people up and say, come listen to the interview. Like I'm not going to pick the phone up and make those phone calls. But I have a marketing team that's going to help. So you can count on me to help get the word out. Now, those are things that help make me count onable, or better yet, not count onable. Like just imagine for a minute, forget about all the things you can count on me for. If you knew all of the things that you couldn't count on me for because they weren't strengths of mine, I might not be very good at them, or I just might not like doing them. If you knew all of those things, what's the likelihood you'd actually ask me to do those? Yeah. Like it, it becomes zero. Like why would you ask me unless you and I are the only two employees in the company and someone has to go wash the dishes. Like they just can't keep stacking up in the seat for day, in sync for days and days. So I came up with the concept of Count Onable based on my Next Level 90 Business Accelerator program, which creates all of the structures and all of the process to be able to have people in a company, starting with the CEO, say, this is what you can count on me for. And this is what you can't count on me for. Okay. So if I'm getting this right, Jeff, it's about setting expectations around good, you know, what you can do and what you can't do. Part of the word accountability is, you know, why it's got such bad press in there and it's got a negative energy associated with it is that it's a bit like the carrot and the stick. You know, if, if it's accountable, it, it's, you know, it's incentive by beating up with the stick. What you're saying is let's not go down that track. It, it's not healthy. It's not good for anyone. No one enjoys that. You know, what, what we do want to go down is the culture, creating a culture of that's more around the word trust. Um, and, and that's more around the carrot type of, of energy. Um, let's build a culture around the positive rather than, than dwelling on the negative. If, if, have I understood that correct? Again, yes. And no. And no. <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern here. Uh, well, it's first off, I think you're very, um, you're picking up on a lot of it, right? Um, it's just that there's two things that matter in a company um, as far as building value. First off, time matters. And when you and your team are aligned and you know that you're all going after the same thing, and now you've got a mechanism in place that has you not just going after the same thing, but knowing that you're on the same path at the same time. It's a lot different than when you have five executives on your team and they're all race car drivers. It's just one of them's racing in Monaco and the other one's at Daytona Speedway. I mean, the reality is, is that if you're driving as fast as you can to different places, then the odds of getting to where the CEO wants diminish dramatically. But I promise you'll find out very quickly that your executives are not doing what you want them to do because they're high performers. It's just they're managing 100 people. And now you've got an enormous resource being wasted because it's not following your vision. So in doing the research for the book, one of the things I came across was a really great um, presentation by HubSpot. You know, they've grown very rapidly. They have over 4,000 people. Um, and they have this concept of trust. I think that the term micromanagement is something that they would say, you'll never see that here. 
But the concept of trust for them is uh, things like you can take as much vacation as you want. Um, You know, we trust you're going to do your job. So we give you tremendous leeway. But what I didn't see in that presentation was a verify mechanism. Now, those of us of a certain um, age remember when Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev got together in the 80s and they signed this momentous agreement to limit nuclear weapons. And Ronald Reagan got up at the podium and he said, Mikhail, we are going to trust you. And then we're going to send some people in and verify that we're right. (laughs) So... What, what I just find in most meetings with most organizations is they have trust down. Like they hire A players, they know they're A players, and then they give them something that's not on the A player list. Suddenly that person starts disappointing them, but they don't have verify in place to figure that out soon enough. So weeks go by and then they get disappointed. Now they classify them as a B player. By the way, who's responsible for doing that? It's management. Mm -hmm. right? The only person in a company really truly accountable is the CEO. And that person is the one that sets other people up for not being countable, for being a B player when they hired an A player, for not having the job that they thought they signed up for, which by the way, when they took that job, it was the job that catered to their strengths. It was the job that they loved doing. Oh, by the way, they're also really great at it. And that's what made them your A player. It's just for whatever reason, you said to them either in the interview or later when they started, can you do something? And they looked at you and they were not confident, but they said, okay. And they didn't do as well well at it as you wanted. They didn't um, accomplish it in a timeframe that worked for you. And suddenly now they're on your B list and you've made them unhappy. Well, what are the odds that that person is going to stay for the rest of their life versus the person that's doing the job that you originally hired them for that they loved doing, they were great at and had strengths in? And still love doing it. Right. That person will never leave. You're not going to have to spend money to replace them. What you're going to spend money on with that person is figuring out what's their next role. What's the next thing? What do they aspire to? Because the thing companies do a really poor job at is career management. Yeah. And that's a lot about what being count honorable does. It helps you identify the things people are really good at and love doing and like jump on and the things they don't. And so what, what we're saying is uh, the fish rots from the head. <clears throat> it all begins and ends with the, the energy center, which is the CEO, um, the ownership. Um, we want to change the paradigm of, of you know, being holding people to account and, and, and all the negative connotations uh, associated with that. Um, we, we want to be count honorable um, and, and getting the expectations clear around what we can be counted on for. Yeah, 100%. And that's There's the- no note there. You're 100% right on. We, we want to put people in the driver's seat and have them have the confidence to know that it's okay to tell people my superpower is. I know that my superpower is helping companies that want to be accountable become count honorable so that employees can confidently say, I know I'm really good at these things. I know I'm not really good at those things. And when one of those things comes across their path, they say to management, 
Are you really sure you want me doing that? You know, that's not my strength. You know, that's where you'll get my B work. Yeah. I'll be a team player and I'll chip in, but I, here's the expectation. Here's what you can count on me for. I'll, I'll give it my best, but I, I don't have the skills to do it. I, yeah, it's not, it's not my sweet spot, so I'll probably be a bit slower. Yeah, but little Johnny over there is damn good at that. You know, maybe I could take some of his work or her work and, uh, um, and then you know, free up some of their time to uh, you know, get things moving here. Would that help as a solution? Exactly. Well, imagine actually having a system where um, you, know, you knew all of the tasks that got done and you were able to say, Johnny is number seven at filling out forms. Like whenever we have a grant to fill out, let's go to Johnny. Yeah. Right. Even though he's number seven, he's in our department, right? Or, you know, maybe you don't have anyone in your department. Well, what other departments have someone that does grant writing that you really, you know, respect? And maybe you could work something out to do a little resource sharing this week or next week, right? But, you know, what happens is we don't necessarily even have that information available to us. Yeah, well, that's a, a common uh, shortfall, isn't it? Uh, that we just don't have the information uh, uh, around who's doing what and uh, what their skills and desires and capabilities are. Absolutely. You know, I'll say that what's missing in a lot of organizations is very simply curiosity. They don't take the time to be curious about their people. And listen, if you're going to create a company that allows you the opportunity for an exit, then it can't be you. You're not the most important person. You've got to be set up. First off, Daryl will tell you this. If you're the most important person and you want to sell your company, if someone chooses to buy it, you're going to have a five-year or longer earnout, And the odds of receiving that are minimal because you're still gonna be the most important person. Yeah. However, when you elevate your team and create a team of leaders that knows how to create more leaders and you push decision-making down to the lowest level possible, people are empowered, your customer experience is enhanced tremendously. You know, I, I recall being on the phone with Amazon for a return, it's like a, $200 return went awry, right? Nothing big, but it's retail. And in retail, $200 return, that's noticeable. Yep. The person I was on the phone with within three minutes said, sure, no problem. And it was done, right? Now, my wife and I are avid Amazon shoppers because we know if there's ever a problem, it's not a problem. It's just resolved. So your customer experience and the value of your business is not just from your employees, but it's from what you, um, what you empower your employees to do. And especially the ones that are customer facing. Yeah. You know, having an environment where they can do what happened with me and my wife on that one particular return, like that's powerful. That has your value of your company grow by multiples. 
and then there's a whole lot of brand value with that experience as well because you're now telling me and you're telling all the listeners of of, of the podcast so jeff in in bringing it and pulling it all together what's the the without giving away too much what's the underlying message or theme of the book you know if, if you were to in a succinct sentence uh, uh that listeners can take away so i'll give it all away there's a few things that really really matter we need to know what great um, managers we are about triggering our people. We need to learn about that. Um, that will increase your productivity by multiples as well. We need to be creating a culture and environment where people actually have a roadmap that they can follow that has them be able to say, you can count on me. And by the way, the book is a practical guide. Like it actually is the step-by-step -step process for how you go from wherever you're at to an environment of being countonable. It's been used by over 300 companies and it works. And it's not rocket science. All I did was I took best practices you see in systems like the entrepreneur operating system, scaling up and others. And I said, okay, is there a level up on that that we could go? And the level up in a lot of it is just the how-tos. And in the book, I tell you, how do you know you have the right person doing the right job at the right time? Because in those other systems, they say, you want, you want that. They just don't always say, here's how. So in the book, I give you practical examples, real life customer experiences of what happened and how to do it. Okay. And so in a nutshell, it's you go from having whatever state of organization um, you have today to one where people are empowered. And it happens 90 days at a time because by doing it in 90 day increments, you're able to get things put in a bite-sized bucket that's consumable. Yeah. And we move toward your one to three to five year business objectives in 90 day increments. Yeah. And that's a theme that's replicated in the, the traction book, Gino Wickman's uh, EOS, isn't it? Absolutely. So we're, we're talking about uh, the book's called Count Honorable. It's about building a culture of, of and, and it's full of tips or bite-sized practical tips on how to find the right people and how to build that. It sounds like it's going the next layer of detail from the books of you know, how to get the good people, how to get people working in their sweet spot. Um, so and next, the next layer down from, from traction. Um, and I think that there's similar sort of thinking in good to great, isn't there? And, and sure. standing up. So um, by the time this podcast goes live, the, the book will be available within a couple of days, I believe. So uh, it's all very exciting. Yeah, and I'll just tell people, you know, one of the things that um, you'll get, first off, from me, if you're interested, like even, and you get to this before you get a, a hold of the book, come to the countonable.com website, because on the website, I'm going to have all of the assets from the book. So the patent is pending on the process. However, I'm open sourcing it. Like anybody that wants to use it is welcome to. Uh, we're going to have resources and communities set up so that anybody that wants support around being a countonable company, we can get them there. But in the book, things like what is a meeting schedule will look like? 
What do you say in the meetings? Who are the meetings with? When do you have them? Like, how often do you have a meeting? Is it every five minutes or every five months, right? It's like, I outline like, you know, this is the cadence for meetings. This is what you want to accomplish. This is who the meeting is with. And, you know, I just really invite people that are looking for a way to have management processes add to the value of their company yeah. and give them the power to empower their people. And, and all those systems and processes inside a company just create consistency, you know, repeatable reliability, which, as you've said a couple of times in our conversation, just adds to the value of the company, makes the business less dependent on the owners. Um, which they're not the key person. And we all know the more the owner works in the business, the less it's worth. So Jeff, thanks for uh, sharing your exit insights with us today. It's, it's been a blast. Uh, and I, I look forward to uh, the book coming out and, I've, and my advanced copy, I'll uh, start reading. Yeah, that's really great. I just want to tell you, Daryl, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you in this process. And um, I stand for every business owner, CEO and executive to actually take a real vacation with their family without working two to four hours a day. And that'll be your first step to being able to exit with power. And Daryl, thank you so much. Uh, I'll just leave everybody with this. Stop just being accountable. Be count onable. Love it. Thanks, Tiff. Thank you. Thank you.